Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome to episode five on What About Therapy. I'm your host, Enoch Fossum, and I'm currently going to school to become a licensed marriage and family therapist. So today in this episode, we're going to be talking about unhealthy emotional needs and how they're created. And then we're going to talk about four key ingredients that we can use to start to change those unhealthy emotional needs and change them into a more healthy, stable set of needs for us. All that coming up next on What About Therapy. All right, everybody, unhealthy emotional needs. So before we get into it, the resource that I'm going to be pulling from a lot in this episode is the book How to Avoid Falling in Love with a Jerk by Dr. John Van Epp. He's also the creator of the RAM model that he talks about in this book. I know some of you have heard about the RAM model, learned about it in health in health class, but if you haven't heard about it, that's okay. We're going to talk about it in future episodes, but yeah, so I love this book. It was assigned in one of my classes for school, and ever since then, I have been loving it. I've read it once all the way through, and then I'm working on my second time just here and there whenever I whenever I want to read it. It's an amazing book and I highly recommend it, especially, especially if you're in the dating world right now and if you are not married. And it's still an awesome book if you're married, but it's aimed more towards those who aren't married, those who are dating. And like the title says, it's how to avoid falling in love with a jerk or how to avoid the the narcissists and how to see those red flags, etc. But it's, again, it's amazing. I'd highly recommend it. I'll put the link down in the description for the book. So anyways, yeah, let's get into it. So unhealthy emotional needs, what are they and how are they made? So we all have needs, right? Take a baby, for example. When a baby's born, me included, right? We all have physical, emotional, and relational needs. And so when these needs need to be met as a baby, we cry, right? Because that's their way of communication. And so when those needs aren't met, that brings in kind of a more more fearful and more insecure feeling. So we cry harder. And so we continue to cry as long as the needs aren't met. And so for a short time, the needs aren't met, which is why we cry. And the longer these needs go without being met, it can start to cause problems, start to cause issues. But most of the time when we cry as as babies, as infants, we the need eventually gets met, right? Our mom or dad comes and picks us up, feeds us, comforts us, and fulfills that need. And so let's talk about these needs now and how they are made how they're how they're made unhealthy, <laughs> I guess. So we all need to be loved, but taking that to an extreme it turns into dependency. And we all need to give. Taking that to the extreme can cause codependency. And we all need to trust, but taking that to an extreme can make one naive. And then last one, we all need to test trust. Yet when someone cannot stop testing, that person starts to border on the line of paranoia. Does that make sense? Excuse me. And so all these needs taken to extremes start to cause unhealthy needs. And also when these needs aren't met, that also forms that that unhealthy unhealthy need, that unhealthy habit. So the fulfillment of a need prompts growth and stimulates the development in, and confidence that the next need will be fulfilled. So as we are as we are infants, when our needs are met repeatedly, that forms a confidence within us that says, oh, so when I have a need, it'll be fulfilled. Like, 
Awesome. And so that confidence forms the foundation of the child's self-image, of our self-image. So, for instance, when a need is met, it forms the idea that says, I can do whatever I set my mind to do, right? I, whatever I set out to do, I can do it because that confidence has formed from getting needs met. And it also forms the belief about our environment and about our world. So, for instance, like this environment is a safe place because my needs are usually met. And so we learn to trust and like, trust other people and trust the world in general because our needs were usually met as, as children. And when you were young, if your needs weren't met or taken to the extremes, it, it, it can form those unhealthy needs, you know? And so, and that's okay. Like no one, we all in a sense have unhealthy needs to one degree or another and we can change them. So there's this study that I want to read in the book. So Dr. Van Epp talks about this, let's see, this study that was done by psychologist Harry Harlow. So I'm just going to read it here. So he says, Harry Harlow conducted a landmark study on newborns and the importance of being touched. He separated baby primates from their mothers immediately after birth and kept them in isolation. Although the primates were provided with food and warmth from a surrogate cloth mother, without any touch, they all developed abnormal emotional needs. So they were socially awkward, depressed, and unable to give affection normally. And so I thought that was super interesting. A while ago, I saw this video about this, this exact study. And so that was, I thought that was really cool. And uh, I thought it was very interesting as well. So they got these monkeys and they separated from their mothers, which is, I mean, you know, if you love animals, if you love, if you love apes, you're all about animal equality. I'm sorry, this may trigger you, but it's just something amazing that we learned in this study is that without touch, without actual human interaction as uh, a young kid, as a baby, we, we see that that's how socially awkwardness comes in, depression, and he even says they're unable to give affection normally. And I thought that was just so interesting. So when the needs aren't met, this is when coping mechanisms are formed. And so different mechanisms like, like pornography or we learn to cope with it through eating. And that's when depression comes. Not necessarily when you, <laughs> when you overeat or whatever. That's just a, it's a coping mechanism, right? And so... There's this quote in this book that I love. It says, there are few things in your past that don't have an impact on your life today. And so things that we've gone through as children, we, most of it, a lot of it, impacts us today and how we interact with others. And so that doesn't mean that we can't change despite negative situations that have influenced our personality or influenced our emotional needs. So those things that have formed unhealthy trends or unhealthy needs in our life, you can still change no matter how severe it is. So change is possible with four essential ingredients and four and a half, I'd say. I'm going to add my own little my own little ingredient to it, maybe the salt to this or the sugar, the sweet sugar. Salt kind of has a, <laughs> a negative connotation to it because it's, I'm not salty, all right? So... The first ingredient here is insight into yourself. 
And I thought that was super interesting. So it can be very hard to change something in your life, Dr. Van Epp says, with that you don't recognize. So if you don't recognize that something's a problem, like we kind of talked about with the cognitive distortions, that recognizing is the first step to recovery, is the first step to change. You need insight into yourself to realize that some things that you do may be unhealthy. So one of the first steps, I I, I thought I talked about this before, maybe I haven't, but one of the first steps in the addiction recovery program is to recognize and admit there is a problem. So you need to admit that, let's say, like you're addicted to drugs. You need to admit you're a drug addict. Or you need to admit that you're an alcoholic. You need to admit that you have a pornography problem. So that's one of the first key steps in the addiction recovery program. And now this isn't, this episode's not about addiction recovery, but just to that point that admittance or I'm accepting that you have an issue is the first step. And so if that doesn't happen, how can you change, right? If you don't recognize something's a problem, then you'll just go on throughout life not realizing it. So yeah, that's the first step, insight into yourself. And now I think, I mean, you can get insight into yourself any, any way you want. You know, there are different ways you can do it. You can, you can ask people that are close to you. You can just do a self-analysis. You know, there are different ways that you can get insight into yourself. So that's the first step. Realize and try and figure out, try and find the problem. So ingredient number two is new information to direct the change. And so when you realize that there is a problem, that there's an issue, you are going to need direction, right? Like which way do I need to go now? How do I change it? And so a lot of the times this thing you're trying to change, whether that be emotionally, mentally, or physically, has formed into a habit and has become like second nature to you. And so you've been doing this unhealthy thing for a really long time. And so it can be hard to know what to do. Like, what else do I do? You know? So that's ingredient number two. So number one is insight into yourself. Number two, new information to direct that change. And so you can do, get that new information through many different ways. It's like through a podcast, like this episode, or you can do, you can read, you can... Like if it's something you learn in school or videos you watch on YouTube or you have, if you go to therapy, the therapist's advice to you, you can get this new information, especially nowadays, honestly, with the internet and everything, you can, you can find new information everywhere. We're surrounded by it. We just have to look for it. So again, ingredient number two, new information to direct the change. That's so important. And try and make sure you find the right the right information because you don't want to start making change the wrong way to maybe strengthen that unhealthy need, you know? So make sure you know what you're doing. Make sure the sources that you find are, you know, legit and not just some article some, you know, random person off the street wrote. So make sure it's legit. So find that information, okay? Find a new direction. The third ingredient is motivation. So one of my favorite quotes, I I don't know who said it, a lot of people say it, a lot of motivational speakers say it, 
They say, motivation is not a feeling, but it's a decision. And I think that is so powerful because a lot of us feel motivated sometimes, right? Like me, for instance, when like, so I, I'm doing my best to wake up earlier. And when I set my mind to it, like the day before, a couple of days before, like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to start going to the gym every morning at five in the morning and I'm just going to do it. I feel super motivated then, or I watch a, like a weightlifting video. I'm like, dang, like, let's go. That's going to be me. Wake up at 5 a.m. every morning, get to the grind, the hustle, you know, so we, we feel that motivation and it's really easy to really act in the moment when you're feeling motivated. But if you're anything like me, when you wake up in the morning, you're like, well, I actually feel like garbage right now, so I'm not going to go. Or I feel super tired, I'm not going to go. So when that motivation feeling, and we'll talk about this here in a second too, when that motivation, when that feeling is gone, it's, it's really hard to, 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 to make that choice. And like I just said, it's not really motivation if, if you don't do it, right? Because it's not a feeling. It's a decision. So when you decide to work on yourself, even when you aren't feeling like it, it's motivation, which I think is super cool. And so the small decisions to take action towards change, compacted over time, is what will make all the difference. And so when a lot of us, anyway, when we think about change, we think of a, a drastic change, a big change immediately or within a week, within a month, within a year. But you have to realize that change, especially if it's been a habit for you for years or maybe your whole life, it can take a really long time to change it. But that's okay. And we'll kind of go into my, to my little sugar ingredient here in a little bit. But so you have to realize that just choosing to work on yourself every day or this unhealthy need, this unhealthy habit, even an addiction. You know, if you have a pornography addiction, if you have an alcohol or drug addiction, just take little steps every day because the big steps every day, that, that's not sustainable. And I mean, if you can do it, like, heck yeah, do it. But a lot of us, it can be really hard to make big changes every day, especially when we're not feeling like it. And so being truly motivated, which is making decisions, especially when you don't want to, and over time, small and little steps, that's what's going to make all the difference. So that's number three, motivation. So ingredient number four is time. And I kind of just talked about that. So if someone told you they were putting, this, this is a, one example that Dr. Van Epp gives. So he said, if someone told you they were putting a new addition on their house, no one would deny the time and effort that would go into that, right? Like if someone said, yeah, man, I'm putting this, this new addition on the side of my house. It's going to have a hot tub in it. It's going to have a new little, like a bar for drinks and stuff. No, you wouldn't expect them to finish it the next day, right? Or even a month later. You would expect it to take quite a while, especially if they're just doing it by themselves. And so Van Epp says it would be silly if someone expected the addition to be completed without time and without, excuse me, without effort. So 
As with physical construction, personal change takes time and effort as well. And that kind of just goes into my little ingredient is patience. Now, that can go along with time as well. And so that's why I said like four and a half, four and a half ingredients. But so you need to be patient with yourself because the same, like with motivation, it can take a long, a long time, really long time to change. Um, Again, like if it's been a habit, it can be really hard. And so you need to learn to be patient with yourself. And a lot of the times when we're working on change and we mess up, that brings in a lot of cognitive distortions. And so learn to recognize those those distortions and learn to love yourself and to be patient with yourself and to realize that this change that you're trying to do will take time and that's okay. As long as you're taking these little steps every day, that's really all that matters in the end, right? Because eventually you'll get there. You will if you just keep working on it day in and day out. But it needs to be a sustainable amount. And so those little steps each and every day is what matters. And so when there is when there's no patience, you tend to rush things and not focus on the details. Like if you're, oh, I don't know. You, there are a million examples that you can use with rushing things and missing the details. Like on the addition, right? To make a new addition to your house, if you just rush it and try and get it done in a day or a week, you are probably going to miss some extra screws, some extra support to the building, and it'll probably topple over the next day or when you think you're done because you rushed it. And even though I guess really support's not really a detail, it's a core foundation, right? Literally, it's at the foundation of the of the building itself. And so when you just take time, slow down, have patience, you can take time to focus on the detail and to get it right the first time. Because I don't know about you, but having to do things over and over and over again because you keep messing up can kind of get annoying. And so when you slow down, you can focus on the details and do your best to get it right the first time to to change this unhealthy need and to form a healthy need the right way. And to do it the right way, it'll take time and it will take patience. Oh, sorry, it's my phone. I'm going to turn this on silent. So... Van Epp goes on to say, I love, I love what he says here. He says it requires, so change, change requires a deep-seated conviction to make lasting change. It can be hard to tell which you're feeling, which, what he's saying here is when, so for example, oh, let's see. Oh, <laughs> that's why it didn't make any sense. I totally skipped something. So he goes on to say that change for a short time is easy when driven by panic, fear, grief, or anger. So when you're driven by these strong emotions, it can be, change can be easy for a time. So like when someone comes out and says like, oh, you have this unhealthy need, like you are super uh, dependent, super codependent, or, or whatever it be, right? You can be driven by a strong 
emotional feeling like let's say uh, fear or panic you start to panic so you're like oh my gosh like I didn't know I didn't know how this unhealthy emotional need and so you start to change and that change can go on for even a month right and then all of a sudden when that feeling kind of dissipates that change kind of stops and you start to revert back to to your original ways so when the dust settles when you're driven by those emotional needs those or excuse me those just those strong emotions like fear panic grief or anger when the dust settles the change that was motivated by those feelings will slowly go away and you'll resort to your old ways and so like i said earlier before i skip this it says van up says it requires so change requires a deep-seated conviction to make lasting change and so in the moment it can be hard to tell which of those you are feeling to change right like are you feeling the deep the deep-seated conviction or are you driven by those strong emotions and so what he says is that time is the best teller and proof of change and i love that because if someone says that they're going to change and in in this book how that i'm referencing he's talking about a couple who one of the like one of the spouse the spouse said that they're going to change and they were driven by this panic and so they changed for a little bit and so the other spouse stayed they stayed together because they started to see some change but once that feeling dissipated they start to go back to their normal ways and so it can be again it can be hard to see and tell who like if someone is driven by the deep-seated conviction or just driven by strong emotions in the moment and so the best way to tell is time and again i know i know that can be really frustrating especially if you're working on like an unhealthy emotional need or working on an addiction it can just be so tedious and just annoying how long it can take but it's like there's no going around it time is the best teller and proof of the change and so yeah let's go over those ingredients real quick again so insight into yourself is ingredient number one number two is new information to direct the change three is motivation four is time four and a half five is patience and so with those ingredients you can start to change those unhealthy emotional needs and start to form healthier needs and as i've been able to gain insight to myself with reflection or asking my wife it's really really insightful and i'm able to work on myself and to change and i've seen a huge improvement in myself and with that comes more self-love it comes more motivation comes more confidence and so as you start to form these healthy needs you'll start to become a more confident individual and your life will just start to get better it's amazing and just remember to have patience it's okay especially if you're struggling right now with any with any issue with unhealthy emotional needs or with an addiction with marital problems with problems in your relationships like it's you can change and it's okay all right 
you're not a flawed human being, remember? Those cognitive distortions, you're not flawed, it's okay. And it may be tough, but you can do it. You can change. And it does take time, and that's okay. So that wraps it up for this episode. I hope you found it insightful or helpful. If you know of anyone that is struggling with an unhealthy need, that has any or is struggling with an addiction, then go ahead and send them this video and hopefully it will be able to help them. So thank you all so much for listening. If you made it this far, y'all are the real troopers. Thank you so much. I hope you all have a great week and I look forward to talking to you next week. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you liked it, please leave a rating and review. That would mean the world to me. That's how I'll be able to reach and help as many people as I possibly can. And if you know of anyone that could possibly benefit from this episode or any other one of my episodes, please share it with them. You can also subscribe or follow to be notified when my future episodes come out. Thank you all so much for your support, and I'll see you in the next episode. Peace.